Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Today's podcast, Known by Their Love. Our podcast today is a follow-up to two others I've already recorded, Living with a Difficult Customer and But I Don't Want to Forgive. It would be good to listen to those before this one, or at least go there after you hear this. I've shared all the beginning information in those, so today I'm continuing on from that point. In the first podcast, But I Don't Want to Forgive, I talked about pride, false beliefs, and misconceptions that keep us from forgiving people. I also covered what forgiveness does and doesn't mean, and the basis for forgiveness, that Christ sacrificed his life to forgive our sins. Therefore, he asks us to do the same. In the second podcast, Living with a Difficult Customer, I talked about strategies to survive and thrive when we have ongoing relationships with people who continually hurt us and break our heart. How do we stay whole and healthy without losing our mind or our identity? How do we stay reasonably content in the relationship? How do we find grace to accept what we can't change? Today I want to head further into those territories. It has often been said becoming a Christian is the easiest thing in the world, living as one the hardest. There is certainly no arena where this is more true than with forgiveness and the restoration of relationships. This is a tough territory to traverse. God desires that his children be recognized or known by their love. We are to be identified as different. The world is known by its hating, judging, dismissing, rejecting, and spewing vitriolic language. God wants his children to be known by their love. Because we live in an angry, hate-filled world, this is hard. Some people are easy to love. We don't need help there, but others are difficult. Many celebrate choices and lifestyles that are an assault to our faith in God's Word. How can we love them? Isn't it enough that we leave them alone? That we don't spew back words of hatred? <laughs> well, in a word, no. <laughs> It isn't enough. We must find love for those who stand against us. We have to get rid of the us and them mentality. We have to stop dividing the population into groups and begin finding our commonality. Where are your mental divisions? To whom do you put in the category of outside my group, not part of my world, not someone I want to speak with, or worse, groups we judge as the people who are wrong, or the bad people. Divisive thoughts lead to divisive words and actions, and divisive thoughts come from false beliefs, sin, and the devil. Satan loves the you-against-me mentality. He loves to break up marriages, families, friends, churches, countries. Division is his game. He is for any hatred toward any person or group, anytime. His motto is, let's fight. God's motto is, let's love. 
if you are a Christian and you are judgmental toward a certain type of person, gender, religious beliefs, ethnic background, color, sexual beliefs, social or economic standing, political party or whatever, and you believe you are on God's side by standing against that group or person, be warned, I am about to burst the bubble you are living in. God is never pleased when we hate, judge, or reject a person or group. He has made each one of us. Because God is our creator, he sees the beauty and goodness he put into each person, and he knows what has marred that goodness and why it happened. He knows the generational sin they inherited, the false influences in their life, the wounds that broke their trust, propelling them to their choices. If you think you are helping God, that you are on his side when you hate any individual or group, you are not. You are on Satan's side. Satan is the author of hate and division. And besides, what do we think we are accomplishing with our self-righteous judgment? Are we attracting them toward Jesus Christ or repelling them? As I've said so many times, we are way too powerful in our own eyes if we think we can control any other human being, what they think, choose, or believe. That is the work of God alone, to reach into a mind, into a soul, and turn on a light of truth and salvation. All we can do is try and be a magnet for Jesus. And let me tell you, hatred and judgment never led anyone that direction. Ask God for blindness regarding barriers and borders. Let us stop seeing the differences and see the commonalities. Every person is made and loved by God. We are all His. At every person's core are the same needs for love, nurture, acceptance, significance, belonging, freedom, security, and respect. It is true that many perpetrate atrocities on human beings and criminal acts of violence. Injustice is rampant. Many people do commit horrible, hateful acts. Surely God doesn't expect us to accept those people. What does it mean here to be known by our love? Just like God does for us every day of our lives by God's grace, We must learn to separate the sin from the sinner. We are to hate sin and acts of wickedness. God never asks us to condone evil. But by God's grace, which is his power working directly inside us, we are to learn to love the person. Thinking you can't is a lie. Forgive me for being so blunt, but sugarcoating this won't help. God will always supply any amount of love we need. It starts by realizing and admitting that the us-against-them mentality is sin and offense against God, and then confessing this to God and asking for forgiveness. We will never be able to love anyone with whom we harbor judgment and animosity. So change begins with our heart, our beliefs, our acceptance of truth. It starts on the inside. We have to change. When it comes to others who vote differently, look differently, believe differently, what are you known by? We must stop excluding people. 
Now let's bring the conversation in a little closer. This doesn't just apply to political parties, race, and sexual preferences. What about people with whom we actually have a regular relationship, like our neighbor or our fellow church member, someone at work, or an in-law, someone who married into the family, or a stepchild or stepparent? What if they are not within our self-defined acceptable group? Are we still known by our love? Do we see these people as fellow creations of God, far more similar to us than different, having the same needs we have? Or do we reject them? Do we judge and condemn them for being different or wrong or bad? Do we withhold ourselves from them, refusing to talk to them or help them or be part of their life? And what if we know they are making horrible choices, hurting others, innocent people, children? I have found myself challenged at times leading my healing journey classes. As one who has survived childhood abuse, I have to regularly pray for an open heart when I have a student who has been a perpetrator because it is my God-ordained job to support them through their healing just like everyone else. It's important that I am able to see victims and perpetrators the same, hurting people who need God's healing in their life. It has been remarkable to watch God do this. The Spirit of God working in me has made it possible for me to feel compassion and care toward people who have committed heinous acts. If I choose to not let God work in my heart and see each person as he sees them, how will I ever be able to be a conduit of God's truth and healing? They have to feel accepted in order to receive what I teach. And the closer the relationship, the harder this is to do. I have family members who are into terribly destructive behaviors. Judgment will kill any opportunity there might be to offer support and help. Jesus hung out with the outcasts, with those who were messy, needy. He never had the us-against-them mentality. He even ministered to Romans, the people who were oppressing the Jews, those who locked him up. Unity, not division. That was Jesus' goal. Matthew 12, 25 in the NIV says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. God does not want people to be divided. Unity starts with us. One verse I pray every week is this. Zechariah 7.10 in the NIV 84 version says, In your hearts do not think evil of each other. I constantly ask God to help me with this, to help me avoid mentally entertaining evil thoughts about another person. Because if I think it, it is only a matter of time before I say it. Instead, I ask for his help to see each person as he sees them. I remind myself I may not have committed their sins, but I've committed plenty of other sins. I am in need of Christ's redemption just as much as anyone. His command is that we love. 
John 13, 34-35 says in the NIV, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We are a disciple of Jesus if we love others. If we hold on to hate or unforgiveness, we will become an ugly, bitter person. Bitter people are responsible for their own unhappiness. Bitter people diminish their own physical and mental health by their negative mindset. They will eventually become consumed with the negative and cease to see the good. Bitter people have a hard heart, not a heart of flesh that can minister to and support people. They're useless serving in God's work. They cause wounds in other people everywhere they go. Bitter people are robbing themselves of the life God has planned for them. They cause the destruction of their own life. That's a very high price to pay. Can you afford to remain in bitterness? So what do we do if we have actually had a break in a relationship? No doubt we are quick to justify our actions in whatever role we had in the situation. But let us ask ourselves this question. Whom do we choose to serve? God or Satan? If we serve God, then we need to forgive whatever offense occurred. And then... Ask God's forgiveness if we have contributed to the problem through pride, judgment, or withdrawal, or any number of sinful choices we might make when we have been offended. We need to clear the spiritual air first. Listen to my podcast on forgiveness for more on that. Then you need to pray and ask God to lead you in any steps he might have you take toward restitution or reconciliation. In the healing journey, we call this healing step number three. If we have caused harm or taken something that doesn't belong to us or attacked another person or not fulfilled certain obligations, we need to make it right to the extent we can. A good verse to guide us is Acts 24:16. The NIV says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Ask yourself, Is there anything blocking my relationship with God or another person that is my doing? Then we need to deal with it as God shows us. But it is not always about restitution. Sometimes it's a matter of reconciliation. Reconciliation is something we only partially control. We can make an effort in this direction, but that doesn't necessarily mean the other person will respond accordingly. There's a chance our offer to reconcile will be rejected. I've experienced both. I had a strained relationship years ago with someone in my church, and I wrote them a letter asking for forgiveness for my part of things. Their response was negative. They would not forgive me or get together with me. On the positive side, though, most of my family relationships were broken during my own healing journey when I remembered my father's sexual abuse. Over a period of several years, I began approaching them one by one, trying to get the door of relationship to open. 
I will say I had success, although it was limited. Healing has not yet occurred, at least in terms of honesty and acceptance about the abuse. I never stop praying that will happen one day, but all of the relationships were at least restored to the level of a superficial relationship. And that is a great improvement over how it had been. At least there now are visits and get-togethers and conversations and participation in weddings and reunions and such. It is much better. I want to make another point here, but before I do, I need to say this. I have not by any means acted perfectly in these relationships. I just as easily fall to self-serving pride and justification as the next person. But I want you to know that even though I was the offended party, they rejected and abandoned me. I initiated the reconciliation with each of them. With one, I wrote a letter first and then initiated contact. With another, I simply showed up on their doorstep. Both worked, although there were tears and pain involved. I'm not saying that so that you will pity me or be impressed. Those are empty goals. I say this in case someone listening today is thinking, but I shouldn't have to make the first move after what they did to me. That's not fair. That position will keep you in bitterness and division. What if Jesus said that? Why should I have to die on the cross? I didn't sin, they did. Aren't you glad he made the first move? It is not about fair. Fair is a pointless word unless you're describing the weather. It's about belonging to Jesus and therefore living as he asks us to live. There's so much anger and hatred in the world. That will never change until Jesus returns. We can either choose to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And those who follow Jesus will be known by their love. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.